What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Lindsay Hadley. I've had businesses come to me that are not nonprofits. I consult for-profit companies like my my dear friend, Ibrahim Al-Husini. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. For people that don't know, Lindsay Hadley plus one part-time employee and 200 volunteers that she recruited is essentially <laughs> the reason that we had this huge you know, concert thousands of people came to and... and launched us into existence. So we, we owe you big for that. And, and I shouldn't say we, because, you know, as an advisory board member, you still are child rescue, but, um, yes. Do you want to talk about the time that you made me cry the most at child rescue when, (laughs) when you went to that event with those task force cops and, and the girl came and spoke to you afterwards? Oh yes. So this was an amazing story, but I actually was on a panel and thanks Jess. It was such a dream being a part of that, uh, with child rescue and helping, you know, build, um, build, build something from the startup. I learned a lot and I, you know, to this day, I'm very passionate about the cause and, um, it's so great to see all these great organizations popping up and more and more good work being done. But yeah, there was this day where we went and we had a panel. We had like a the agency provider, um, UHCR, which was a group that when police would find trafficked victims, they would provide, this group would provide, it was a nonprofit that would provide like services from like counseling, mental health, medical care, things like that. And housing. Health, yeah, housing support and stuff like that. And they were on the panel, some law enforcement, and we were talking about trafficking in Utah. And as we talked this about it- This is a university, right? Big university? It was, it was a major university in Utah. And as we were speaking about it, you know, um, we just said, and I, it was so weird, but I had this weird prompting or feeling to just say this. And I, I said, I don't think people realize how commonplace this is. And this is something that could be happening right under our noses, literally there could be someone here in the audience who's having, you know, and that was really weird. Cause that's not like normally how I lead with like whatever public um, platform I had or public speaking engagement. I re- I'd never said that ever, but I felt to say that I actually felt prompted to say that. So I said, there may even be someone here who's personally dealing with this or, you know, knows of this or whatever. Um, it could be that, that close to home. And if, if so, know that you can get help and we're here for you. And it was like this invitation. It was so bizarre 
that I said that. And I thought that was a little weird of me. However, um, obviously was, was from some inspired source, (laughs) um, because this girl identified herself afterwards, who was a student at the university and she came up and spoke to the law enforcement and our, and the agency services providers and just said, yeah, I've been trafficked. I've been being trafficked by my grandfather for years. And she went into, since she was a teenager, you know, and she was like, talked about the fear for her life and she didn't know what to do. And she got help right then and there. It was just like amazing. And I couldn't believe it, but, um, but yeah, we had some, well, that, you know, that story. I remember when you told me that and it was like, you know, we don't, I don't know how long we've been going, but I had always thought like, hypothetically, we'll change somebody's life, you know? Yeah. But when you told this story about like, no, she, he sends her to school during the day. So she seems like a regular kid. And then yeah. at night rents her out to other adults. Yeah. It, like it's so visceral and uh, unexpected. And uh, anyways, it like it had made all the <laughs> made all the effort to that point worth it. If we didn't do any other good, <laughs> everything to that point would have been worth it for me. It really did. And, you know, that to that point there, I've had so many moments like that with Child Rescue and projects I've done where, you know, I try to tell people never question the good you're doing. Because when you are doing good, like you can't always see the seeds you've planted. And I know that's a really cheesy analogy, but it's very, very true that you may not have any idea of the impact you had. I know that um, I know that w- when we did the first concert, Candlelight Serenade, and, you know, right afterwards, we were bummed that it wasn't financially as successful as we hoped. And we were all disappointed. And then after that, we, we met through that effort, you know, our amazing darling friend Malia, who connected us to Sumner, who then gave, uh, you know, a million, $1.5 million to the cause. But like, I know that, um, that I, I know that even in the audience, there was a student from, from, uh, West Jordan high school who Mm -hmm. ended up becoming the student body president who was in the audience at the time of the concert, who was, yeah. We we talk about the, the beginning of our youth campaign, the backyard broadcast and that, well, I'll I'll just, I'm going to start it off. (laughs) You call me. I'm living in Canada at the time, running the fund. And you're like, hey, so um, this high school said they're going to fundraise us, fundraise for us this year and, and give us a check at the end of the year. And I'm like, great. <laughs> like, uh, that was worth a phone call. You know, like, that's, that's nice. But, you know, like, I, you know, all you can l- let us know about the $150 <laughs> when it comes in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I didn't, I, I had no conception of what that was going to mean. And didn't think, I don't think I thought twice about it till eight months later. And you're like, Hey Jess, they called back. They want me to come to the, (laughs) they want me to come to the, um, to the assembly. Yes. And they raised, it was 20, what was it? 20 something Mm -hmm. thousand. Mm -hmm. It's been a few years. That's what, that's the money that paid to train those hundreds of FBI agents and police officers in their own community. That was right. That was really cool. So it was really amazing. These and it was all from one student being in the audience. Granted, she ended up being a real influential student, being the student by present. But still, it's just incredible what can happen when you are, you know, when well, you're- especially that it's a low oh, income, yeah. a low income school, you know. Yeah. And and you're like, you find out that that money came from car washes. Do you know how many car washes you have to do for twenty thousand dollars? And yeah. like that one kid that wrote their own music burned it onto CDs, sold the CDs to their friends and then put the money in and like, so creative, you know, so creative, so neat. And there's, you know, just like scrounging for pennies and, and, and dimes in their couches. You know what I mean? That kind of level of, of, uh, small little, small little bits all added together, you know, pretty cool. 
I just think it's really fun to see, you know, and, and just not forget the good you do. And it's, it's sometimes it's just about the collective good too. You know, like you look at the honeybee and, you know, it's such a symbol, especially in Utah for like hard work, you know, and it's kind of our state's symbol, this idea of the honeybee. But I mean, basically in a whole lifetime, I think it's something like a quarter of a teaspoon that a, that an individual honeybee produces, you know, I mean, like, but when you do it collectively, I mean, if it weren't for bees and honey, I mean, check out what would happen to our ecosystem if it weren't for those guys, you know, so oh, pollination kind of, is a good thing. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Exactly. <laughs> and every little bit helps like that, that honey production, every little bit helps as we move a little bit. of. It impact. sounds so cliche. It really, it, it seriously sounds so cliche. Hence the like, you know, when I heard the kids were going to run a car wash, I was like, eh, you know, well, I appreciate the effort, <laughs> you know, not knowing it's going to pay to train hundreds of FBI agents, police officers and parole officers. Right. Yeah. Um, and now obviously the, the whole backyard broadcast where kids can have a chapter at their own high school by kids, for kids, you know, Terry Palmer runs for us and, and all as a, you know, as a trickle effect of, of what you did at child rescue and inspiring those kids. That's right. It's, it's just, it's just inspiring. I'm so inspired by people doing good. I mean, even what you're doing here with these interviews, just perpetuating stories that are, that are edifying and worthy. I mean, we just need more of that in Mm. society. It's cool. Well, I know we've talked a lot about being a do-gooder and that's great and all. Um, (laughs) but I, I want to talk about heart, cold, hard cash lens. So, um, (laughs) let's talk about why, why, you know, if you're so into nonprofit, why you're okay with Time Machine being a for-profit tech company or why you're fine with Hadley Impact being a for-profit consultancy and and why profitability and doing good don't have to be divorced. Yeah, they definitely don't have to be divorced. And I think that's something our generation is starting to really understand. You know, I think that um, there's just so many clever ways to kind of become a cross sector of doing good, but be, but treating things like business and running things like traditional business. And I'm, I'm new to the game. There are like absolute global world leaders on this issue, but um, I'm, I'm just inspired. And I think you can do more and have more agility and, 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 and provide more service more quickly often if you just use like, yeah, just the for-profit model. Um, and you can become more sustainable. And I think it's just a, it's just, if you're providing a great service and people know it, I just focus, for example, with Hadley Impact. Um, I've just, I've, I've had, uh, I've had businesses come to me that are not nonprofits. I consult for-profit companies like my, my dear friend, Ibrahim Al-Husini, who is this prolific uh social entrepreneur he renewable energy and yeah he does renewable energy so he has this amazing company called fuel cycle that owns a part of a technology that takes um, municipal waste and turns it into energy and so i just think that's so cool that's solving two problems the energy crisis and renewable energy issue but also getting rid of the ridiculous amounts of garbage we produce so i just love that so we've been working with him you know so there's there's neat for-profit companies out there. I'm helping him a little bit with trying to find support for, um, you know, an initiative called Thrive Market, which is an online kind of Costco meets Whole Foods membership deal. So cool. You go on there, you sign up, you have a membership, and you get crazy discounts on on Whole Foods type items, you know, really healthy organic food instead of having to pay the expensive Whole Foods prices, you know. So um, these kinds of these kinds of strategies are, have major social impact. 
and businesses have major social impact, but are totally for profit and have traditional, you know, traditional um, fundraising and business um, structures, which I think is is completely fine. You know, it's just it's just really great to see accountability that you get from the for profit sector, and I like that it's being applied to do good. Well, it's a lot easier to care about other people when your rent gets paid. You know. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, your good friend who introduced me to Ibrahim. Um, and it'd be easy to talk about Leka Singh and, and her amazing documentary, Beyond Right and Wrong, which we'll, we'll put a link to. And I think it'd be easy to talk about, like we have today, talked a lot about the structure and how you married up charities helping and getting involved. And then, um, you know, I, I really feel like two of the things that people could learn the most from you um, and we're probably going to have to have you back on the show and maybe we'll have a separate show for each of these. But one is resilience. When, when things didn't pan out just the way we had hoped, your unwillingness to throw in the towel, whether it's, you know, the first child rescue concert um, long before you worked for Global Poverty Project that didn't pan out as planned. And yet the the rabbit that you pulled out of the hat was so much better than we could have ever expected. Or, you know, <laughs> I think about Beyond Right and Wrong where where there was the original goal for how many people would see this world-class documentary, but, you know, not that many people watch documentaries. And, um, you know, instead of getting a million views, didn't you get five or six million views? Yeah, it's been, you know, thank you. It's been amazing. The film Beyond Right and Wrong is just so transformative. I love this film. It highlights stories. And my my dear friend, Leka, who's the director, and um, she also executive produced it and produced it. She was just had her hand through the whole thing. She made this film and it's about stories of um, Northern Ireland, Palestine, Israel, and Rwanda, where individuals, loved ones were killed in these major conflicts. And then them, their journey of forgiving the killers. And it's not, it's totally secular. It's not religious or prescriptive for that matter. It just shares the stories of these individuals. And it's very powerful and asks a lot of you because how do you not, how do you watch a mother forgiving the, the sniper who killed her beautiful son. Um, how do you watch? Oh, her, yeah. How do you yeah, watch bring, her- bring your Kleenexes. It's like the yeah. most inspiring thing, right? So, hey, and totally. And I, watch I, her forgive and then ask yourself, how can I not forgive, you know, my, yeah. my in-law for saying something that kind of hurt my feelings or something? <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, I can hold on to something like that for months or I know, years. I'm, tra- I'm tragically. Okay. Uh, but that way. again, I think it'd be, we could have a whole show talking about the entire business you invented called film raise to, to try to leverage that and scale it up. But what I want to talk about instead is relationships. Like you, like the reason that you got 200 volunteers to help you throw that concert. And the, and the reason that you have people like me who claim to be, you know, a, a Lindsay Hadley roadie, you know, like in the entourage um, is like, you have a, you have like an uncommon just like love for people. I, I actually, you know, one of the CEOs that I advise, I do some coaching for, we were talking about you the other day about how like when you meet people, the default position is that Lindsay loves you. And like, if you want to get off that pedestal, you have to knock yourself off of it. <laughs> and it's, it's not common. Most people are more like me where you show up and it's kind of, people are at zero and depending on what they do, they either go up or down. <laughs> like when people meet you, they're already like an 11 out of 10. And <laughs> And only through their own selfish choices can they work their way down the pedestal or something. Um, but you have like oh, you're so nice an uncanny ability to um, really care about people really quick. 
What do you, what do you attribute that to? Cause it's not common. You know, you're so sweet. I thank you, Jess. It's like so kind of you to say, and I, I think you're right. I, I adore people. I love them. I fall in love with people right away. I've actually, I have to be really candid with you in the last couple of years of my life. I've learned some hard lessons of, of, of endorsing people too quickly of trusting, maybe of being a little naive in my, like, here's my whole heart and soul and every, my bank account, you know, like, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, like literally I've, 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 uh, I've learned some hard, painful lessons about yeah. that. Um, but I, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know. I I've, I've been wrestling with this a lot. I'm like, you know, it's made me gun shy. It's made me nervous. Cause I have gotten hurt sometimes cause I'm a little too quick to run right all the way in and be totally vulnerable with people. Um, and just, yeah, I just give my whole soul to someone. It's easy for me to love people because there are so many, I've, you know what the truth is? I have so many beautiful friends like you and people in my life that have just consistently shown me how good human beings can be. And so I just have such a faith in humanity in general. I've just been surrounded. I've absolutely had a charmed life in being surrounded by some of the most glorious okay. souls. Before you just go on and on about everybody else. So no, um, it's true. It's true. That's why I stop. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Here's what I want to hear. Then is <laughs> let's talk about forgiveness. Okay. Okay. Let's. You know, we we you and I have we've been a part of some projects with some pretty big numbers involved and some pretty big emotions involved when things didn't go just as planned or when things. When, yes. You know, uh, there's been expectations, hurt feelings. Uh, I mean, really, really high emotions. Okay. Right. Um, and then, and then just, you know, just as high stakes situations in our families, all of us go through this, whether it's spouse, whether it's in-laws, whether it's whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, when you think about the countless conversations you and I have had about humans and about, um, maybe checking our own blind spots and things, um, what do you feel like you've learned when it comes to um overcoming your own hurt feelings and getting to the next level of of like reconnecting with people and actually you know not seeing them as a saturday morning cartoon villain anymore but actually yeah man i'm still learning that i'm still learning that entirely it's such a there's so many layers to that it's such a profound question you're asking but um i do know this that that villainizing people and turning them into Saturday morning villains, cartoon villains is, um, so damaging to your soul and to your happiness. Um, people are people, they make mistakes, they disappoint, they hurt, sometimes do really heinous things. And I haven't even been at the brunt of the most, most heinous things I've had. I've had a a pretty tough year. We had someone, um, actually steal from us, all of our worldly possessions essentially, except for, little small amount of stuff we had on our person or, or with some family, um, at the time, but we put everything. What, we owned what are, yeah. Why don't you explain that? For I was going to say, yeah, we, we put everything we owned into storage as we went overseas to Australia where my husband's from to be with family there. Um, and we, we had, uh, yeah, when we came back or, you know, it, it, it was stolen while we were gone. So when we came back, we came back to, to essentially very, very little, if not nothing, and it was, it was a really heavy blow, like in our mid thirties, having, two kids and um one on the way by the way <laughs> and so congratulations thank you it's daunting you know to be like starting over and 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 to have this kind of uh and we didn't have much to begin with i mean we really 
I was surprised how much it was all worth when we actually tried to go and <laughs> I'm surprised you it's surprising like what you you know what you acquire over time but I, we were minimalist to begin with we'd always lived kind of smaller homes and and always been um really agile because we travel a lot and do lots of create we're kind of gypsies by nature but we like I, it just to, to know that you know all that you know, all this had been stolen and like, it would take us a long time to save up that money again and rebuild and replace. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, it was just painful to, to go through that, but we had, we had a lot of stuff going on at once and lots of, and some other relationships that, that didn't work out for us and that we were super devastated about, but all around the same time. And I think this, like this loss, as well as I had my darling, one of my very best friends, my darling cousin, 33 year old mother of three kids pass away. Just, just, two weeks ago now, um, of cancer, terminal cancer and left three beautiful kids. And my, my best friend, cousin, Audie, um, you know, behind, uh, realizing how heavy losses and just how much suffering there is in the world, full stop. Um, it, it put my loss in perspective and it, it, it still hurts and everyone's dealing with something relative, but anything anyone's done that's hurt me or, or I felt betrayed by or whatever is kind of put in perspective in the grand scheme of just the sad sadness that, that the world can offer. And that I'm no, I'm not a special person exempt of pain. And mm. I, I've been very fortunate to have very little, actually I've had a very charmed life and I acknowledge that with total reverence and gratitude of the sheer luck that is required to have been born where I was, to whom I was and to what time I was, um, that is, afforded such a, a gracious life. But, um, and really I feel like looking at, um, I think the, I think the most precedent for me anyway, unlock, and maybe, the, maybe other people are different, maybe because I have had such a silver spoon in life in terms of, I mean, I didn't grow up with wealth or anything, but I definitely didn't grow up in poverty, especially the extreme poverty I've encountered in the planet. Um, you know, and I've, I had my education and my medical needs met and temporal needs met and, my parents struggled. They would have been considered lower income. They would have, they struggled most of my life and later only came into money after I was married. Thanks a lot, guys. (laughs) Where was the ski boat pick? (laughs) Exactly. Back then. No, but the truth is like, you know, I've had a very charmed life and I, and I I totally acknowledge that in, in the grand scheme of things. But I, I feel like for me, the underlying root for forgiveness, like somehow the access magic key has been anytime I tap into gratitude. And, um, I feel like there, there's something foundational about having gratitude for just the sheer fact that I'm breathing and I can be a mom tomorrow to my little boys when my cousin can't, you know what I mean? And like, suddenly it just puts a lot of stuff in perspective and melts a lot of hurt. Mm. It it fades it all and makes you feel a lot of joy and gratitude. And I got to work on that. Having that gratitude is an absolute skill. And it's a real gift. And the people who are most grateful are some of those beautiful, shining people you can ever, ever know. Well, I, I think too, like, um, I, I think about, so one, one individual you might be able to guess, um, had a, he, he and I had a, had a bit of a falling out a number of years ago over something we were all working on together and, and I wasn't dealing with it that great. And you're like imploring me. To, to do the work to put the relationship back together where I was totally willing to write it off. Um, uh, where do you think, where do you think, like what advice would you have for people when, when they feel really burned like I did 
But I was also probably conveniently ignoring the parts of that that I had contributed to. What what advice would you have for the people who are in my situation when you were trying to get me to be a better person? Man, this is medicine I need. All I like I can't even tell you. It's it's and and you know one thing I've learned about forgiveness too, and I, I just want to add add this caveat both from the the few work years of working on the project Beyond Right and Wrong and then also just being around inspiring people who are who have really dedicated their lives to learning this skill. Um you don't forgiveness doesn't always look like not firing someone or not separating in a business partnership or mm-hmm. deciding you don't want to invest anymore in a certain friendship or forgiveness doesn't always look like putting yourself at harm's way and staying with the abusive boyfriend or, you know, whatever forgiveness is, can be incredibly liberating in that like you can put someone in prison, a pedophile in prison. You can put someone behind bars that kill people as a drunk driver. Forgiveness doesn't always look like a lack of justice. Um, I think for it's not a pardoning of, of the damage and the harm that was done. I don't think, I think what it is, is just not, I think this is a, this is a phrase, a phrase I probably am ripping off from somewhere I've read because it, 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 it stayed with me somewhere. Um, but it's just not excusing, not using what someone else did to excuse your, what you've done wrong any longer, you know, and sometimes what you've done wrong is just having a bitter heart, you know? And that's it. And just not being grateful for all the good in your life, you know, and I'm, I have to work on that every day. So I don't know that, you know, I'm, I'm not some person that's saying this, who's figured it out. I, I just know whenever I do figure that out, whenever I feel gratitude and stop making excuses for the wrong I'm doing um, and justifying it, I just feel a, a peace and a relief and a, a beauty that comes a healing, a healing bomb, so to speak, that comes from that. Um, and I'm grateful for the people around me that, that are the examples to me in, in spades of this, you know, so I'm certainly not one I'd point to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I but think no. your, I think your willingness, I think your willingness to, to kind of go to that place of radical self-honesty. I mean, you and I were huge Brene Brown fans and all her stuff about <laughs> vulnerability, right? But yes. I feel like your willingness to take a hard look in the mirror and get to that place of radical self-honesty is part of the big reason that you've got so many, so many of your friends that you can say, Hey, I'm doing this. Will you help me? And everybody signs on. Um, oh gosh, when, that's kind of you. I, <laughs> I, th- I think it's cause I have such good friends that, that just tire- tirelessly are willing to say yes. When someone shamelessly asks them, <laughs> you know what though? And I'm not actually going to disagree with that. You actually have above average friends. I um, do. But I think it's partially that um people of your caliber are naturally attracted to you, uh that where they feel like they've found someone similar. But you, you do have some above average friends. Thank um, you. Well you be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so th- thinking kind kind of wrapping it up here. Um when you think about this idea of there's there's so much suffering in the world, obviously with, with the work you and I have done on child rescue and the work you've done with extreme poverty, there's so much that's wrong with the world. There's so much bureaucracy and red tape of all those kids in in Australia who weren't able to get adopted that, you know, all these kind of things. Why are you still so optimistic? Why are you like, why are you like contagiously optimistic as a person? What, what, what makes you get up and go after it again today when there's so many things that uh, end up being roadblocks in this, you know, last decade and a half, you've been doing this kind of stuff. 
Oh man. Um, you know, like I, yeah, I think optimism and I've had times where that optimism has been killed because of my own failures or mistakes or just the way things have gone down. Sometimes it's not even external factors and things that happen. Right. Like, um, and it, it just does stifle that optimism, but I find it kind of always kindled and like revitalized and back somehow. And it's probably just because I have seen, I've seen the good that comes out of, of, of the, the ultimate good that comes out of even failures. Like, you know, you, you kind of, I mean, recently I, I worked on this project and I was able to find out who my real friends are, you know, in the, in the, in the aftermath of like some painful stuff and some bumpiness of entrepreneurism, I was able to find out who really loves me. Who's really there for me. That is such a gift. And to understand like with the surety who those people are when tough, when stuff hits the road and like it's tough, t- stuff is really tough. Like who, I mean, like, I believe that that will serve me in my life tenfold, like to really fully appreciate and under and have a deep appreciation and reference for those who are really there for you. Sometimes it's just like the, the ultimate end things get redeemed when you're doing good. And I, it may not be in the short term, but I just, I don't know. I've just seen it time and time again, and I can't give up that hope because it's so, um, it's just been proven to me so much. And it may not even be, honestly, it may not even be something that you see in your lifetime. I think about like, you know, um, is it William Wilberforce who mm-hmm. you, know, yep. you and I geek out about all the time, you know, was on his deathbed and the parliament passes. He didn't get to see the impact of his good. I mean, I guess he think, yeah, think got- you guys spent 20 years getting he- slavery made illegal and he spends another 20 years getting the slaves freed and then dies that yeah. year. Exactly. But, and he heard, he heard how it passed, which is brilliant, but you know, he didn't get to fully see the the fruits of his labor, you know, and there's guys who died before that passed, those laws passed that were working on it. You know, there are people who have died in battle on the ground, who've given up everything, trying to bless the lives of others and never saw, but they perpetuated, they put in motion something in the ultimate end. I just believe I believe in God's ultimate victory. And so anything good, anything edifying, anything worthy of our efforts, like I just believe in the ultimate end will, will win. I just believe that's how the universe is like geared and, and how it um, is structured. And that's how cause and effect good prevails. And that's, I, maybe it is a little fairy tale, but I, I, I can't not believe in it when there's so many people around me who've shown me that that's true, you know? <laughs> Well, there's there's a lot of people listening today that either run a business or they're an innovator inside a big company that they want to do something with big impact. And they, they would love to work with the kind of people that you've been able to work with and, and be able to get spotlights on the good they're trying to do or the innovations they're trying to create. Um, it's kind of a closing piece of advice. What, what would you tell people about um, interacting with, with A-list talent and 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 what you know what kind of a what kind of a mindset do you bring to a meeting like that that increases the probability of them wanting to work on whatever you're approaching them on yeah in terms of like a list talent um i think so many people forget that those guys are people and it's really easy to kind of be like oh we need to get them and use them as a vehicle they feel used a lot and they know it and it's hard not to when you know what good i mean i i can say this it's hard not to be like how do we get them involved because they'll help this be such a huge success and especially when it comes to social impact you're so convinced that what you have 
what you're working on is so worthy that you're letting it because it is it certainly is that you're like well everyone should everyone shouldn't everyone kind of owe it to this cause and to these individuals we're trying to see. <laughs> but the truth is like they don't they don't really owe it to you and they don't really owe it to your cause because there's a lot of good and a lot of these people especially the high profile people are doing a lot of good i you're hard pressed to find a miser when they have that kind of impact for good they they get the most joy out of that after they make all their fortune, you know, that's what they love to do. And I consistently see that even in the grumpy ones who are a little more um, <laughs> insular and guarded and, you know, a little more uh, jaded by, by the, the curse that fame brings, you know, like they still, they love being a part of something that does good. And so they're looking and they're involved and they get asked hundreds of times a week. Sometimes these guys, hundreds so your cause is just another. So instead of approaching them with what can, what can you get, you know, which is just, again, a cliche thing. What can you provide for them? What are they trying to accomplish? And then see how what you're doing can, can amplify or complement or support that. And you'll have a way better chance of getting their support by thinking through that, you know. So um, and not distract, not, not making it a, det- a detraction or a distraction from something they're already really passionate about. Like try to try to understand that first and then. And then be really gracious and accepting if they decline, you know, because they, they even gave you a chance to pitch. I mean, that's like very kind of them. So I don't know that those are, that's just two major things that I think about. And, um, and sometimes I think you gotta be willing to do things up front, like that you won't gain anything for just to build, just, just to support them. And I find the most, the most powerful, like celebrity type driven um stuff and the attraction is when it's really organic they they sense authenticity from a million miles away because they get polluted with so much a lot of the entertainment hollywood world both like the ceos and um captains of the industry as well as the entertainers themselves just just barrage of of stuff that has hidden layers and agendas and politics you know it's just kind of the way of the world so when something comes along that's really authentic it resonates and the ones who who really want to support what you're doing will, you know, I think. So you have that confidence too. I love it. Well, any, any closing advice for people out there of maybe it's something you wish you knew when you were younger or good advice you received in your life, anything like that? Any advice? Huh? <laughs> There's so much advice. I would tell myself when I was younger. One thing is, um, slowing down. You know, people say that. I heard that all the time. Oh, you burn out, slow down, you know, sleep, uh, make sure you're spending like get exercise and eating well. And like, and your family's a priority. Like I've always, always considered my family a priority, but then there's times when I've been caught in the middle of a whirlwind project that like has just been like sucking my soul in terms of it's a beast. I could never feed enough. And I wasn't disciplined enough to make my family priority priority in certain times and seasons. Oh, my little guy just came in. Hold on, Jess. Sorry. Okay. Tell her I'll be there one minute. I'm just finishing up this interview. Okay. You shut the door, Mace. I'm coming. Sorry, Jess. I'll start over. Just- <laughs> no, I want to leave that in the interview. That's awesome. Oh, cause I'm talking about family, <laughs> which I got to finish up. Exactly. Touche. This let's, is fin- really- let's finish this up and get back to those kids. That is so funny. My little guy, he's like, he he said, my sister wants me upstairs. I'll find out what, but um, anyway, yeah, basically that's hilarious. Yeah. Like 
you know, I, I do, I need to run. I need to go be with him and I need to make that priority and like wrap things up and not let things go on and on. And like, just there are times when I have been disciplined and I've turned off the phone and been locked in and been there for family. Like the last few weeks I haven't worked. I've been there for my cousin Audie and I've, I've made that choice and it's, it's going to be like a bit of a financial thing. My clients, you know, have it, but like, you just, you, you know, you just have to know when, um, when enough is enough. And sometimes I've not been great at it. And so I would tell myself earlier, like, you cannot understand, you cannot underestimate how, I mean, look, look at all the time and energy that I spent to build up all the material things I owned or whatever. And they were gone in an instant, you know, that was all it's, it's sad. Our memories and our videos and photos and all those things we can't replace are the most tragic part, but the money that was spent on building what we had, um, is really a representative time, you know? So, I just want to be better about spending my time. And I've been the last six months, I've been way better about making time to sleep, time for family, time for spirituality, quietness. And everyone tells you about that stuff. And you just, and you just don't listen to it sometimes. At least I didn't. <laughs> I don't, I don't want that. I don't ever want to unlearn that. You know, yeah. I'm young enough to say, look, I want the rest of my life to have the, those, those boundaries in, you know, that's great. So that's advice. a big that's a big one. Another one is, by the way, this is another huge one is, um, is just, uh, l- listen, like if you're an optimist like me, if you're, a, if you're a real, you know, like believer and you, and like, that's what makes, you know, Jess, you and I have similar traits and personalities this way is we are really passionate evangelists for whatever we believe in, whatever we're excited about, whether it's a product or a person or, you know, a cause. And, I get so excited about the dream and the vision and building it and the hype. And it's I, 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 just a mature leader and it's just my nature. And I come across people that are like totally the opposite of me and they pick all, all the holes in it and they're kind of dissenters and they're like, no, this doesn't work and this won't. And they're, they're really analytical and their minds just think differently than me. And I've kind of been averse to people like that. Cause I'm like, no, whatever you're killing the dream. You know what I mean? But over the years I've learned to respect those kinds of people so much because they I feel like they, because they're the opposite of me and they probably need a good dose of our energy and excitement and dream and belief, you know, but like, I've learned to just really like trust them and really listen to them because it's not my nature. So look, finding people that are the opposite of you that, um, have, you you know, strengths you don't have is a big thing that I have come to appreciate on a level. I, I don't think I understood when I was younger, not even close. Solid advice. Those are some. And the other one is uh, to, and the last one is to always, always read the books that Jess Larson recommends. <laughs> All you have to do, folks, is pay her 100 bucks before she'll say that on air. It's so, so true, though. You, every book you've ever given me, like, I'll, I'll, like, be busy again, the time thing, and I'll, like, put it aside. And then I eventually get to it. I'm like, this would have been life changing six months ago. Why did I not read this? <laughs> And then when I have read it, it's just, it's been like so ridiculous how much it's edified my life. I, you, you do, you are like the king of recommendations when it comes to books. Love it. Uh, I am a self, uh, I admit to being an addict, audiobook addict. Um, so thanks so much for making the time. I think we're going to have to have you back to talk about a bunch of stuff we didn't talk about. Um, but, uh, go be with your kids and, and, thank uh, you. thanks thank for, you. I love you. You be with your kids. I love your kids. Kiss <laughs> stuff for me. And thanks for doing this. I, I'm thrilled. I'll have to send you some more people to, to interview. I got a few others for you. I'll ping you offline. That's great. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Thanks. 
That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.